0: Happy Saturday and welcome to Coffee House. We have a new article, Journalists Start Demanding Substack Censor Its Writers to Bar Critics of Journalists. This is by Glenn Greenwald. But he is a writer, a journalist on Substack, which is, if people don't know what that is, which I hadn't even heard of this until relatively recently, actually. It's a place for people to be able to independently produce their writings and publish their writings. So, of course, it being independent, you can see how in modern, in 2021 America, that's going to end up being a problem for the powers that be. So, kind of initial question that occurs to me, and something that we'll probably discuss at some point, is the question of whether all systems tend towards tyranny. Because what was kind of making sense to me is the fact that when you have a system, then people are going to find ways to fill the holes in the system. They're going to do everything they can to try to get some kind of an advantage as they're going against each other and they'll want to optimize their position. So eventually they're going to fill all the holes in the system and they're going to have to start testing the edges of the system. And so anything that is based on kind of the honor system or norms of respect or ideas about like fair game, those are going to be tested too, and it seems like any kind of a complex system where a bunch of people have to work in it, it's eventually going to tend toward tyranny as people try to optimize their positions in the system. So. That is kind of a lead-in to what the article is about in a kind of oblique way, but the central idea of the article is that corporate media is trying to crush its competition. And much like with everything else that the left is doing right now, they use these vague moral terms as kind of a sublimation of what they're actually doing, which is just trying to gain power over their opposition. And this is the thing that the left has done for decades. It's something I didn't realize. You know, when I was an undergrad, I didn't realize that this is what the left was doing. But they use just moralized terms that are either rationalizations or they know that they're just a sublimated way to try to gain power. And that's, that's all they're doing is just trying to gain power. They're not actually trying to effectuate some kind of moral ideology. But now it's just in the highest gear it's ever been. So it's, a, it's much more transparent. So something from the article, quote, journalists have bizarrely transformed from their traditional role as leading free expression defenders into the most vocal censorship advocates, end quote. And this is the most concerning thing that has arisen in the modern world to me. (laughs) After the 20th century, you know, post-World War II, it's this idea that the fourth estate has degraded itself to such an extent that it's just not there anymore. It doesn't have an ability to do that anymore, to speak truth to power, to hold power responsible for what it's doing, which is something that's completely necessary in a democratic state. But as Greenwald says here, they're no longer defending free expression. That's not an important thing to the establishment journalists anymore. And it's even worse than that, because they're actually advocating censorship at this point. Quote, that same motive of self-preservation is driving them to equate any criticisms of their work with harassment, abuse, and violence, end quote. What happened with Glenn Greedwald is that he criticized, I think it was a New York Times writer, and then she went on Twitter and talked about all the harassment that she receives because of the criticism. And so there's this, of course, weird idea of those things can be equated with violence or harassment or being dangerous or abuse or something like that. And obviously, this is something that we've been dealing with now, at least for the last four years, just this conflation of these ideas. And so he's bringing it to the forefront here because this This is something that is really concerning now, but it's specifically the people who are not in tune with the dominant views of establishment media that are the ones who have to go to Substack and publish their work there. And then Greenwald explains what his specific problem with this whole situation is, quote, That they are angry and upset is irrelevant. It only matters because these resentments and fears that they are losing their monopolistic power over public thought are translating into increasingly concerted and effective censorship campaigns. End quote. So he's saying it wouldn't matter, you know, if it's just about their feelings and then throwing fits online. It does matter that they're literally turning these issues into censorship campaigns, not even on the social media platforms or wherever or in the newspapers that they work for. But anywhere else, anywhere else in the world, anywhere else, any other corner of the Internet where somebody could express these views, they're trying to censor them. And these are supposed to be journalists. I mean, that's, of course, the underlying idea of this whole thing is that these are supposed to be journalists who are now going out there trying to silence people who are saying things that they don't like and equating speech with violence and all this nonsense. And he explains kind of where where this, the last row, where it started, quote, And amazingly, the trigger for it was my criticism of the work of a front-page New York Times reporter, which, as I wrote yesterday, is being recast as abuse and harassment and violence in order to justify the banning and outlawing of that criticism, end quote. So we specifically talk about this this one woman that was criticized, and I remember it, trying. a lot of people were talking about it, but again, it's this conflation, and I think so much of our problems, you have just people stretching out, and it started with the whole punch a Nazi thing, and people were saying at the time, I didn't think it would get this far, but even at the time, they were saying that, okay, well, if you start saying it's okay to punch a Nazi, then you just stretch the idea of what a Nazi is, and you can, suddenly you can punch a whole lot more people, but that's, we're having this creep of the definitions of these concepts, and it's all all over the place, ideologically it's just being pushed and buttressed as much as humanly possible, and people don't realize how incredibly Orwellian it all is, and just the ridiculous double standards that come into play. I mean, there's this one journalist, quote-unquote journalist, that Greenwald talks about. So, quote, Broderick detailed how he had carefully reviewed a prior article of mine, one that examined the emergence of tattletale culture in the country's largest corporate media outlets, to determine, like the good, little, diligent junior high hall monitor that he is, whether it ran afoul of Substack's terms of service rules against doxing and harassment, end quote. So you have somebody who's supposed to be a journalist who is going through an article trying to find violations of terms of service so he can get a piece of work, you know, writing, removed from, from Substack, from the internet. How can you possibly think that you're the good guy in that situation? How on earth? Obviously, just a few years ago, wouldn't, you wouldn't have to go back that long. Any journalist would say that, okay, well, write your own piece that confronts whatever's being argued in this piece. Not go through it and try to get it banned. That's absolute insanity. And it's not just this, like, one guy who apparently was a a plagiarist. He got (laughs) removed from from some news organization because he got caught plagiarizing. But there were a whole bunch of other quote-unquote journalists who were saying a bunch of the same stuff. How it needed to be censored and how they need to deal with this in a better way to be able to get rid of people. And there's this one from somebody named Dr. Sarah T. Roberts who had a whole bunch of tweets that were calling what was being said dangerous. I mean, do you know how crazy that is? How crazy it is to be willing to characterize somebody's speech like this dangerous? You know how extreme the speech has to be for it to genuinely be dangerous speech? Even then, I mean, even then, you have to just stretch the idea, idea of what dangerous is to such a, a ridiculous degree, even for the most egregious examples of dangerous speech. And this is just somebody making arguments about X or Y, but, I mean, it's to be expected, obviously, because they've moved the concept so far that something like talking about election integrity now is considered dangerous, incitement, seditious. So this fits all well within that. And then he points out the utter ridiculous hypocrisy of the whole situation in that you have them using their platforms, all these quote unquote journalists using their platforms to attack and get people harassed, generate hatred toward and try to silence and, you know, remove the ability to make a living and all that stuff against people like Glenn Greedwald and a bunch of other ones who are on Substack and, and, and other independent journalists. They're doing, the establishment journalists are doing everything that they can to attack these people, (laughs) and then they turn around and whine to high heaven when they end up getting counterattacked. And I hate even using the word attacked anymore. So, quote, they specialize in trying to ruin people's reputations and wreck their lives, not just other journalists, but private citizens. But the minute someone objects to their journalism or what they say or do, they summon a team of teachers, psychologists, therapy dogs, digital police officers, and tech executives to demand that their critics be silenced and their anguish be treated, end quote. So, I mean, double standards, obviously, are just what, you know, liberals do at this point. And finally, he points out, quote, The real division here is between those who believe in a free internet, free discourse, free thought, and those who do not. Between those who want corporate journalistic elites to control what people can say and think and those who do not. End quote. So, he was pointing out here that it's not really left versus right. It's really this distinction here. People who want a free internet and free discourse and people who don't and people who want to try to control what people are allowed to think, and people who don't want to do that. So I, for one, am very happy that something like Substack exists, and we'll be frequenting there to try to find articles for our purposes, and, and see what real journalists have to say about all of this stuff. And I saw a list, he provided a list of a bunch of other articles that he had written recently, and they were all specifically substantive journalistic issues, you know, not just this kind of culture war stuff. Although, I mean, this is the front lines of everything that we need to be doing right now. So, obviously, this is really important when it comes to going forward and figuring out what kind of country is the best kind of country to live in. And anybody who kind of prevaricates on this idea of whether we want free discourse or not, I mean, it's just no, it's not acceptable anymore. I, I don't want to hear any of the rationalizations for why you have to tyrannically try to shut somebody else up. So... There are some bigger, I mean, there are bigger, more complex things to talk about this, uh, like when it comes to how politicians and how elites right now are trying to use moralizing terms to bludgeon people to death because they, they're just trying desperately to get people to fall in line you know, for whatever issue it might be. And, uh, I mean, there are things popping up as a kind of counterculture. It's so weird that we have this. I mean, I love that the, the left still tries to, it wants to call itself the resistance, <laughs> even though it's backed by corporations all the most powerful corporations in the history of the world have co-opted it but yeah you're the resistance but anyway there are a lot of very complex very interesting ideas philosophically that we could talk about related to this but we we're not going to go into those so hopefully it was good to just kind of discuss this article by glenn greenwald here and happily, I am going to start a, a publication for Coffee House on there. So we'll have some things where I'm going to try to be able to outline and lay down some things more systematically and clearly. Because it's kind of tough when you're just speaking extemporaneously to really make sure that everything's laid out cleanly. <laughs> so, so I'm going to try to do that. And we'll, we'll throw some stuff up on there on occasion and see how it does. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning into this one this uh, beautiful saturday i'm going to get outside and do something i don't know what but i'm doing something outside today and then we'll be right back at it and i hope i'll see you on the next one all right bye